This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. This is a podcast about two things, helping those with urgent needs in front of us today and improving the road so others can walk those safely in the future. Welcome to The Better Samaritan, a podcast where we're learning how to do good better. I'm Kent Anning, co-director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, and I'm joined by my colleagues Jamie Aiton and Laura Finch to explore how we can more effectively love our neighbors from everyday acts of kindness to the most complex humanitarian challenges facing the church and society today. As we've talked with more than a dozen leaders in this podcast, one of the questions we really wanted to ask them was, how do you personally sustain hope in the midst of this work? Because if you're listening, if you're hearing these conversations with us, we step into heavy, heavy topics to places where people are suffering. And you do that in your own life as you try to help others. It's so important for us to slow down and pause and think, how do we sustain hope? What are the practices what are the, the beliefs? What are the relationships? You know, these themes that you're going to hear coming up in these answers that help you to sustain hope. So I, I, hope, you, I hope you are as encouraged in this reflection on hope as I am. Um, I, I hope that you will step out of this moment uh, feeling more energized, ready to help, ready to push through the hard and discouraging times. Uh, because when we push through those, there are incredible opportunities to make a difference for others. David Gunger, lead singer of The Brilliance. How do you sustain, uh, and I'm very sorry, my six-year-old is here and doesn't know that I'm doing a podcast. So I'm just, I'm giving him a stiff arm right now. Uh, hope is, uh, hope is what you do. It is not just a feeling. It is an action. And for that sustaining it, um, I think it needs to be sustained in a community. Um, I think the, Here's a big thing that's specifically around the the issue of being an American that deals with faith. I feel like um, the great enemy of our time to our Christian imagination, meaning an idea that somehow of personhood, what is personhood? Um, one of the hard things is we either go a Cartesian model of like, I think, and therefore I am, which leads to an identity politic in which you must destroy those who think differently than you, um, like a different type of tribalism that gets really dark. Or um, I feel like we did get down this extremism of there is no truth at all. Nothing matters. And in that form of nihilism, which like eventually can come, that's where it's like, uh, how does gun violence happen over and over and over? And we're like, it just, nothing can be changed. Like there's a, that we all embrace a form of nihilism that is totally against hope because hope is like, no, it's an act of courage. It's like the world can be different. Like things can be different. And when we embrace the nihilism, even in small ways and go, well, Trumpers are always going to Trump or, gun violence will always be there or lefties are always going to, you know, however we want to mm -hmm. characterize anyone that's the other. And we just say, they're always going to be this. 
that form of nihilism always leads to violence. And that's where I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I believe people can change. President Emeritus of World Vision, Rich Stearns. Yeah. And as you know, oftentimes people that do humanitarian work uh, for year after year after year, especially those who are out uh, right in the middle of it, you know, they're, they're seeing human suffering every single day uh, and they're seeing problems that are hard to solve every single day. And they're, they're seeing child deaths and uh, women raped and, you know, the kinds of things that happen uh, in vulnerable populations. Um, it can, it, you can, you can get a form of PTSD, you know, because you're exposed to so much human suffering. And so, you know, what always helped me, and again, I didn't live in the middle of it, but I visited pretty often is, uh, you know, I mentioned this concept of seeing the glass as half full or half empty. And when you do this kind of work, you're, you're always lamenting the people you couldn't help, right? I, I couldn't help everybody. I couldn't save every child. I can't go to every village. Um, I can't fix hunger for every person on the planet. And, and so if you live in that negative space, that glass half empty space, it just, you, you go into a downward spiral emotionally. But if you live in the positive half glass, glass half full space, you learn to celebrate the, 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 the victories that you win. You, you celebrate the child that makes it through childhood, gets through high school, and, 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 and actually goes off to college. You celebrate the village that now has clean water and sanitation in their village. You celebrate the community where the women have risen into leadership positions and they're doing all kinds of things to improve their community. And or the entrepreneur that got a $200 micro loan and is now employing 15 people uh, in a sewing business uh, that's uh, selling school uniforms to the government. You know, you, you celebrate those things. So I, I would say celebrating the victories and not dwelling on the failures uh, too, too, too long. Author and founder of Love Beyond Walls, Terrence Lester. Yes, uh, I work out every day. I laugh with my wife. Um, I joke with my kids and I'm not just saying this uh, in a very like cliche manner. Like I really have a, a great relationship with my family. Um, this is our journey. This is our work. And so we have found a space where we block off time. One day we may be doing TikTok videos. The next day we may be doing uh, Nerf gun fights or water fights or whatever. But I think having that type of framework that is rhythmic in my life has sustained me. That when I look at my uh, my wife and she says something to me like, you know, you're doing the best you can. Um, let's go have fun. And it just like shuts me down and I like focus on something else. When she works out with me in the morning every single day and we create this margin and space uh, just to be with each other, but also to commune with God. Uh, therapy, right, which is uh, can be a wherever you fall on this spectrum can be either a really great thing. Jesus and therapy, right, or a really bad thing. You don't need therapy. You just got God, right? Whatever, wherever you fall. But I think uh, therapy and helping to process emotions and traumas and, and things that you experience, even in ministry, because there's a thing called vicarious trauma, right? When you're helping to carry somebody else's pain or burden, that the residue of that can, uh, it, you know, uh, 
overwhelm you. It can get inside of you, you know. And so I think uh, practicing uh, all sorts of self-care and, and just making myself vulnerable and opening myself up to uh, safe relationships has, has kept me grounded. And I just love to laugh. Uh, one of my favorite things to do. Refugee Church Consultant with the International Association for Refugees, Pastor Jean-Pierre Guetera. Uh, always the, the reading the Word of God, prayer, even uh, uh, fellowship with uh, God's people, those who have a positive attitude toward what is going on. Uh, always that is the, the key. And also, do your best to serve so that you may keep on growing. Because if you don't serve and use the gift which you have, you will start dying slowly without knowing. So that you also strengthen your hope because as you serve also, you see God manifesting himself in a, a new way, which you also keep on strengthening you, showing you that God is in control and also he can do uh, just something different. And another thing also on that, we needed to know always that in every situation, there is a positive side on that. So you needed to find out the positive side on that and you do well on that as you move forward. Yeah. Vice President of Water at World Vision, Greg Allgood. Well, hope for us as, as World Vision staff stems from two different directions. It's from um, the people that we serve and spending time from them. I remember a woman once when we first brought water to that village with a, a drilling rig and the water came up and, and she stared in amazement. And she said, how did you get the water under the ground? I told her it's, it's always been there. And she looked amazed, but she said, it's always been there and I've always been walking for water. And so, you know, it, it's heartbreaking to think that, you know, something so simple as, as you know, drilling down into the earth can provide sustained water for her. The other source of hope is, is the people that partner with us, the, the churches, um, the donor partners um, that give sacrificially so that, you know, they can be part of helping other people, going beyond themselves to help others. That's a lot of, that brings a lot of hope and joy. Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Preemptive Love, Jeremy Courtney. Oh, that's, that's actually pretty easy. Um, it's, it's way easier than we give credit to, I think. It, it really comes down to people and action. It's, it's a flywheel. And it, once you get the flywheel of your life engaged with people, a diverse community of people who are committed to actively serving a diverse community of people, you'll have crappy days, but you won't lose hope. Um, I, I have not lost hope at any point throughout this 15 year, whatever it's been journey on the front lines of war. I've seen, I've seen a lot. We've been shot at, we've been bombed, dead bodies on the ground, pulling people out of rubble, starvation, genocide, mass graves. And I've never lost hope because I'm never in it alone. It's never me in my head left to my own devices to decide, am I going to hope or not? We're, this is why we're trying to build a community of peacemakers. This is why it's so important to us that we not raise up donors, but we raise up peacemakers 
who are committed to being a part of this work with us around the world. Because it's when we're together doing the work in a diverse environment. So there's always kind of a different voice who can speak up at a different time and say, let's keep going forward. Um, it, it's, it's together in action that the hope is sustained. Director of Climate Center and founder and CEO of Atmos Research, Catherine Hayhoe. I do think that we have to make a practice of hope. Hope does not just come to find you if you're sitting there passively. Just as an experiment, when I was giving a talk on hope last Christmas at the American Association for the Advancement of Science, they have a dialogue on science, ethics, and religion. And they had asked me to give a talk. So I said, well, I'm going to talk about hope. And just before I gave that talk, I went to CNN's website. And there were 35 headlines on the website. And I went down and I counted each one of them. And there was not one hopeful headline on the entire website. Not one. They were either neutral or they were negative. They would make you angry or frustrated or scared or enraged. And if you go to any news outlet, you see the same thing because that's what makes people click. So we have to be aware that the input that's coming into our minds is not designed to make us hopeful at all. And to find that hope, we have to actively go out and look for it. And we can find hope in God's word. We can find hope in, I believe, talking to him. We can also find hope, though, in our brothers and sisters, our fellow humans around the world, in looking what they're at what they're doing and the many ways that they're also reflecting God's love, whether they know it or not, to the world. Peniel Joseph, an American scholar, teacher, and leading public voice on race issues. Well, I think I sustain hope in the fact that there's so many people who do want to see um, social justice and racial equity, economic justice for all people, intersectional justice. Uh, Dr. King is part of that, but of course, there's the Ella Bakers and the Fannie Lou Hamers. And um, in our own time, we have so many different um, heroic figures, uh, Sherilyn Eiffel, uh, Reverend Barber, uh, the Black Lives Matter activists like uh, Tamika Mallory and Alicia Garza and Opal Tometi and Patrice Cullors and so many others. So I think that, um, and right here in Austin, I've I've seen so many different activists. Had a fortunate, uh, been fortunate enough to meet them and speak with them and dialogue with them. Um, so that that gives me really really hope that um, 15 to 26 million people marched uh, for Black Lives Matter um, last year. 81 million people became part of a coalition that was definitely a racial justice coalition, an anti-racist coalition, um, a coalition of, of conscience, the most in American history for a presidential election. Um, the victory of Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff was hugely optimistic and empowering. Uh, Warnock is presiding over Dr. King's um, Ebenezer Baptist Church. And for him, to win in a state where there's still Stone Mountain, which is an abomination uh, to democracy and to the Lord, to Stone Mountain is a is a is a is a tribute to the Klan. Um, the fact that Warnock could win in that state and really be one of the the legatees of Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King's legacy is hugely important and optimistic. And then connecting that with a you know he he was instrumental in helping. Uh, the young 33-year-old Jewish-American Senate candidate, now Senator uh, John Ossoff, to win too. So those are all very, very hopeful signs. The work of St Stacey Abrams, the young women of WNBA. So people do want to create and are trying to actively build 
the beloved community in our own time. Uh, it's just that the forces that are arrayed against all of us are are quite um, powerful and and dramatic. Therapist, expert, and author, Dr. Diane Langberg. <laughs> well, I, I have to confess uh, first that I, I tried twice to quit. <laughs> And then the second time, I, I basically told God I was quitting. I wasn't asking him about it. I told him. <laughs> so at those junctures, though, I have learned a great deal. And part of what I have learned is that no matter how much I know, and no matter what I do and everything else, I'm just a human being. And that's it. <laughs> and human beings need to be human beings. And part of what I learned at that juncture was, what, what are you sitting with, Diane? And I thought, well, I'm sitting with evil and darkness and destruction and ugliness and all that chaos and whatever. And then the question came, and who am I? Well, you are beauty and order and all of those things. And so I have learned to very deliberately seek out food that bears the character of our God in extremely ordinary ways. I love the woods. I love gardening. I love uh, music. I There are things that I consume that is a whole different diet than what I work with when I work with trauma. And they're not particularly spiritual things. I do that part too. They're just human things that we were created for. I mean, the woods is beautiful because God made it that way. And I just need to go and look at the trees. I, I watch the birds. I name the birds. I feed the birds. Um, and, and that is how I have stayed. Executive Director of Christians for Social Action, Nikki Toyama Setu. Yeah, I am a collector of, and an active collector of stories um, and memories. And, um, and I I tried to keep little mementos from times where I felt like God really broke through or from story. I, I, I tried to be very intentional about sort of saying, I need to remember this particular story and what is it that I can do um, to make sure that I remember it? Because um, there are moments um, when the pursuit of justice is rather hopeless or rather dark or very lonely. And um, so I actively collect these stories or little notes, or little rocks to remind me of the places that um, God did do something pretty amazing, or I met somebody who gave me um, great encouragement or hope. Executive Director of Healthcare Ready, Dr. Nicolette Lusaint. It's funny because as you were asking the question, I um, there, there's a hymn that um, immediately came <laughs> to mind. Um, but I, I think it's understanding that I, understanding what you're hoping in. Um, I am very clear that um, my hope does not lie within um, a particular political administration. It does not lie within a particular um, piece of a system, within a particular person, or even a company. Um, my, my hope lies in, in something that is um, far greater. Um, and for me, it's maintaining that, um, that focus on um, where my hope truly lies is my dad always likes to remind us God is our source. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, it's, it's really about understanding that I can only, I can only do but so much. 
And I work with people who have the ability to fulfill a purpose that that has been carved out in them. And I I can't force them to do that. Mm. But my hope is that um, my hope is in um, a source that is over all of those systems and it's over all of those people and understanding that purpose will be fulfilled. Mm. And thanks, Nicolette. And what's what hymn came to your mind? (laughs) <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. Um, I so one of my favorite hymns is "He Lives," um, mm-hmm. and I can to this day I can hear my grandmother's voice singing it. Um, that says, "I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Um, I, I know that He leads me wherever men may, may stray." And I just I just, as you were asking the question, I I heard um, I, I heard her voice and I heard that hymn um, saying, um, "I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today." Author and founder of Public Square Strategies, Michael Ware. I, I, I've said before, you know, it is it is not safe um, to act, think about, be in politics with your feet planted in politics, but with your feet planted in the gospel, uh, all manner of things are uh, safe. Um, all manner of things can be hopeful. Um, you, you, you can you can have hope for them when your hope is not grounded in them, if that makes sense. And so for for me, I, I take great encouragement and comfort from the local church, from the fact that um, the work that we do is um, is. Uh, um, the best expressions of the work that we do are not our work at all, but but the Lord's work, and that uh, he he's not relying on uh, on sort of uh, the the outcome of our labor for the outcome that he's pursuing. Uh, he's just invited us to be co laborers with him and to and to step into the work that he's doing, and and that's a that's a freeing place to be. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. The chance to really hear from different people who have different experiences and you hear common themes as they answer this question, but you also see the variety. So may you be encouraged as you keep on seeking to do good better as we learn from others who in these conversations who are doing the same. I want to invite you to sign up for our newsletter, our Better Samaritan newsletter. It has a jobs board, it has curated material that can help you to keep on learning, keep being part of this community. I also invite you to share this episode with a friend or many friends who would also be encouraged by the conversations that we're having here. Thanks for being with us. It's an honor to get to seek to be doing good better along with you. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series, Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com CT.